welcome everybody back to Behind the Wealth. I'm back here again with Jonas. How you doing today, Jonas? Great, Roger. How are you? I'm good. Um, it's always fun to do this. We've been doing this for a long time. Been doing this live on the radio for 10 years, and now we've kind of moved our foray into the digital world, uh, especially due to COVID happening. So, uh, But today we're actually going to talk about something that's super relevant to COVID-19 and, and what's going on with the media right now, and it's, you know, how to build a personal media filter. Um, we've been talking about this for the better part of 10 years. It's never been so relevant as it is today. Uh, and, you know, the reason we want to do this is the media has one goal in mind for us, right? To keep us tuning in. Um, they love to use our emotions to keep us coming back for more, right, Jonas? You know, it's it's so funny because uh, we have conversations with uh, our customers all the time and new people um, all the time about investing and financial planning because that's what we do. And uh, you could tell just by talking with somebody for five minutes if they've been watching TV that day <laughs> because the president did something stupid or there was something scary happening. And, uh, you know, having a uh, filter uh, from some of the things that the media is talking to you about uh, is very important, especially when it comes to financial planning. Um, and I really, really like this uh, topic that we're going to talk about how, how we can actually have a strategy in place so our customers aren't watching a big block of TV um, and they're not getting scared and they're able to just uh, uh, continue living their lives uh, without the media uh, almost stepping in and uh, making things, uh, making their lives a little bit more difficult. For well, them. and it's interesting how media is actually transcended because it used to just be TV and radio, but now you've got Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all these social media sites and news travels so fast today that it's even more important to have this long-term vision and kind of you know, it's not bad to listen to media, just how to tune out the noise that's not relevant to your personal financial situation. Um, so we'll kind of cover what it takes to keep it out of your decision making and then ultimately how to build that filter to make you guys successful in your every everyday investing life. Um, one of the first things you have to realize, what is the goal of the media? What is the, the pure goal, right? The pure goal is to get you to come back. How do you think that the media does that, Jonas? Well, they, they want you to make sure that uh, uh, you feel that you're not missing out on uh, any of the, uh, the current events that are happening uh, at the time. And uh, what, what I think they do is they make every current event seem like that's the biggest deal in the world. <laughs> I, I, watch, I, watch, I, I watch the evening news with David Muir, and every night it's the same narrative. And I like the show. But it starts out, we have breaking news coming in at this moment. Well, the news was like six hours old. It's not breaking, but it's breaking for their show. It's always just this doom and gloom. How do we scare people to make sure they tune in? Because we probably need to tune in tomorrow night to see what the breaking news was to make sure we're going to be okay. And there's a lot of financial news uh, now, Roger, especially even back when uh, uh, 10 or 15 years ago, um, you, you didn't have a 24 hour coverage of the, uh, of the stock market and you, you definitely didn't have a lot of people watching that. Uh, now we're, we're even catching our customers watching the, uh, 
the minute or the the uh, every second of the stock market uh, on the TV, and that that really makes financial planning uh, difficult because, uh, uh, as you know, the markets are just going to do whatever the markets do, and if you're watching them all the time, they're either going to be two things: they're either going to be up or they're going to be down. And the market folk or the the media focuses on what primarily when they're down, the down right? Yeah. The market ever says, whoa, the Dow is up 300 or 400 or 500 points. Not a big deal. I re- in, in fact, here's some of the headlines, but I remember one the other night. It, it, it was on and it says the NASDAQ edges lower based upon some, well, it was down like 0.1%. It wasn't even relevant, but it made right. headline news. And so I actually have a list here of a couple of them, but one of them, a record high for the NASDAQ would all come crushing down, says Trump in a tweet. Well, how do we know? Like, that's fear. A stock market correction may be imminent, J.P. Morgan says. Where's the positivity? It's all, hey, look, what's going to happen? And all this prediction, we refer to this as the apocalypse du jour. Did I say the right apocalypse du jour? Yeah, yeah. Because the soup of the day, the what's, uh, disaster. Of what's going to be the disaster of the day? Right. Think about just the last 10 years, all the things we've been through. 20, we'll go all the way back to Y2K, right? Everybody thought that the computers were going to shut down and we'd lose everything. We had the financial crisis. We've had the debt downgrades. We've had, you know, uh, Ebola. We've had the swine flu. We've had all of these different events. Now we've had COVID-19. All these different events happen. And and for some amazing reason, positive things keep coming out of it, right? It's probably the innovation of the things that that people do to get better. If you look at what's happened with COVID-19, if you only focused on the media, everything is bad. But if you kind of peel back the layer of the onion a little bit, think about what's come out of this. Everybody's adopted technology more. I've got 65 and 7 year olds who are using Zoom to do meetings with me, and they think it's great. They think it's kind of fun. If you would have told me two years ago I'd have retirees who are sitting down and doing Zoom meetings with me, I'd have said you were crazy. But today, they kind of like to do it. So the biggest thing that that this media filter should try to do is how do we kind of calm the fear factor and look behind what the media is kind of saying to us? I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because Americans, I, I, I do really feel find a way. Ronald Reagan once said, America's too great for small dreams. Um, this year has uh, at least shown me that uh, Americans are finding a way no matter what uh, to, keep, uh, to keep going and uh, to keep uh, either working if they're still employed and uh, to, to keep update, uh, like you said, you have retired people uh, doing Zoom meetings, you have families uh, doing uh, Zoom meetings. You look at the financial media, and I really get a kick out of what happened in March. Uh, the stock market went down 30% in March, and that's all you heard about uh, in March was the stock market crashing. But what they didn't tell you, the headlines in April had nothing to do with the market recovering. And what we've seen is we've seen five years, five months later, excuse me, uh, to where the media really hasn't covered the markets too much because they've been going back up and they've been recovering. But if you look at the articles back in March of 2000, uh, that that would be about 25 slides that we could look at. And it went down 30%, but you didn't hear it coming back and recovering. Well, and think about it, if everything's good news, Maybe I don't have to tune in tomorrow to get those ratings. So it's all this fear factor. You're right. We're coming out of, or in the midst of, I should say, probably one of the greatest stock, greatest and fastest stock market recoveries of all time. The market, I think, at its its low number is 
38%, down 38. We're all the way back plus some now. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're predicting anything for the future. Just there's been no coverage of that in the media. That would calm investors' fears. I still have people I'm talking to like, oh, yeah, it's been a rough year. Really? It's actually <laughs> been an okay year. Right. right. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's been a non-event with a bunch of events in between. Right. And, and one of the things that you, know, you talk about this all the time, you're kind of checking your balance and comparing it to like your home price. But technology is so fast now, people have the information at their fingertips. So they're checking their daily 401k balance. And it's probably one of the worst things that somebody can do, right? Most people, in fact, my clients who really rode through this and didn't want to make any big changes or decided they had to go to cash or make a rash decision, which there's some reasons they didn't. But the ones who really did well, they, they told me over the phone or through a Zoom meeting, truth be told, I haven't been paying attention to what's going on with my money. I didn't want to look because we've done a very good job over the last 10 years of coaching people after 2008 and 2009. Hey, this is how we handled this problem. Have faith that the markets will do what the markets do and that will come out better on the other side. So my best clients, they really weren't even looking. When I said, you know, you had a positive return or a near positive or small loss, whatever it was for that individual person at that point in time, they were actually fairly surprised when they compared it to all of the bad news that they've been listening to for the last four months. And there is a lot of bad news, but there's good news too. Um, and, and that kind of leads us into the next thing. That's the greed factor, right? And, and I'm starting to see this again. We saw this in 09. What, what happened outside of 09 once things started to recover, Jonas? Well, if you look at uh, uh, really, uh, you, you know, we'll talk about 09, but you look at the the greed factor, and and I'm 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 the old I'm the old guy here, so uh, I always remember the uh, the technology uh, bubble uh, back um, in uh, from 1995 to 1999, where uh, you know even here in in the Midwest and even here in Cedar Rapids, uh, there was one uh, telecommunications company that everybody had to own. Um, and uh, that was uh, that was just pure greed at at that point. There was no uh, there was no fundamental analysis of what uh, the the stock was. That nobody that owned it knew too much about the the, the actual company. And uh, you know that they just owned it because the stock was going up. And I, you know I think that. Uh, um, Something like that uh, really gets people in trouble because uh, ultimately uh, the smart financial guys and gals call it a bubble is created. And uh, if, uh, if you have a, a lot of greed, if you have people owning a stock for the wrong reasons, uh, then uh, eventually the, the bubble, uh, bubble will burst. And uh, uh, so I look at that and uh, yeah, you talk about the 2009 uh, greed um, What's a good example? Well, well of that? just leading up to it, people were so greedy they they thought their home was their checking account, right? Oh, I have to have a bigger home. I need to take the money out of this one, and I need to buy a rental property, and I need to flip this house. I remember watching TV with my wife, and it must be maybe two thousand six, two thousand seven, and you know, I had all these home flipping shows, and we were driving around town one time, and you know, hindsight is obviously the best thing we all have. But I remember driving around, I said, I don't, I can't figure out how everybody's affording all these homes. Like we kind of know what people make. We're talking to people every day about, you know, what's your income? How much money do you make? And, 
like, man, how are they affording these homes? And this is like in 06 and 07. And then sure enough, what happened? We had the crash because people were being greedy, right? They were taking interest-only loans. All these things lead to, to the downfall. I'm starting to see it again where people are getting greedy. They don't want to miss out on what could happen. Instead of having a very solid financial plan that can help them make really good decisions, um, if you like, like some of the headlines I just saw, the nine best municipal bond funds to buy and hold, the nine best mid cap ETFs to buy. Why is that relevant? It's just not relevant. What should be relevant is here's my goals for five, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, and here's the tools the investments, the asset allocation, all the stuff that'll get me to where I want to go. Um, because fear and greed are the two things that are the detriment to most investors, right? Um, where was the greed when the market was down 30%? I didn't see any. I shouldn't say that. I saw some. People were trying to make some purchases, but a lot of people were just paralyzed, like, whoa, what should we do? Um, in fact, what, what's Warren Buffett's, Warren Buffett's uh, saying? Be be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, it's kind of where we're going again. Um, if we're chasing the next new hot investment of the day, that that's just not a good investment strategy. And you'll see it through your Facebook feed. Oh, buy these five stocks. Well, if they were that good at picking those five stocks, why in the world would they be giving the information to free to you? Right. right. So the, going into a media filter, just remember that, you know, Greed is one of the, the evils of of our industry. And it's the fear of missing out. You know, I talked to someone the other day. They're like, hey, I've got this amount of money. I'm going to put it all in the market. I said, okay. I said, because they feel like they're missing out right now. They didn't do anything when it was down 30%, but now they want to. So ask yourself this question when you're thinking about putting money in any investment. If the market goes up 15%, how would it change my life? If that money goes down 30%, how would it change my life? Um, what's the saying you always talk about, Jonas? Uh, uh, losses, losses hurt twice as much as any gains seem to help. Yeah, and, and it's true. And I think about that when I, I have money to invest. That's not part of my systematic plan, right? My systematic, it's just automatic. I'm always doing it. But um, when I think about the other stuff, what's the upside versus what's the downside? And what's the dollars I have? What's the true earmark for them? Think about what your dollars are earmarked for. If they're long-term, you shouldn't even be concerned about what the prices are, truth be told, because over time, historically, the market's gone up. But if you need the money in two, three, four years, we probably got to be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more cautious with those dollars and pick the, pick the appropriate investments for that. Well, you were talking about somebody that obviously didn't have a financial strategy, that uh, they just wanted to get into the market to make money. And... Uh, the importance of a financial plan, all it is is a financial strategy, but it's unique to every individual because every individual that we talk to has a different relationship with money. They have a different time horizon. They have a different income. Uh, and uh, they really have different uh, goals. Um, and we need to find out what's most important to them, uh, what has to happen for them to feel happy about their financial uh, goals. And uh, that all comes with a financial strategy. And, uh, you know, at, we talked about the radio show, the, our radio show on AM600, the only really live local call-in radio show that uh, has been in eastern Iowa uh, over 11 years now. Uh, we get people calling in all the time, and uh, the one that we laugh at the most is the guy that, or the gal that talks about gold. Should I buy gold? 
And I wish we could have recorded the, the very first time that happened 11 years ago. Uh, but, it's the same answer today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can own a portion of it if you want to. You know, it's just a part of your portfolio, you know. And uh, that, I think that uh, people need to understand that investing isn't enjoyable. It shouldn't be exciting. It's necessary, uh, especially, uh, you know, two weeks ago with the, uh, the, the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, came out and said that uh, he's not even thinking about thinking about raising interest rates. And for the savers of the world, that's really bad news because if you're done borrowing money, uh, if you're borrowing money now and uh, these interest rates are, are fine, right? They're, yeah. they're very desirable. But if you're done borrowing money and you're in a savings mode, uh, that means that you almost have to, you're forced to have a portfolio of some kind because you're not going to make any interest uh, in the bank or the credit union right now. I looked at a 12-year CD for a client the other day just to look at it, see what the rate, I couldn't even believe it was less than 1%. Literally, I, 1% for 12 years. I mean, wow. no one's going to do that, right? Um, you know, one of the things we also talk about is we all have lots more knowledge, right? Well, just because we have a lot of knowledge doesn't mean it's good. One of the guys in the office was talking about, uh, you know, fixing his car and I could get on YouTube and I could be an expert, expert in 15 minutes. Probably can, but everybody thinks they're a YouTube expert in 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, so there's all this knowledge out there. Why is it that the individual investor can't seem to figure this out if all the knowledge they need is right there on Google? Why can't they figure it out? Because emotions get in the way of, uh, of knowledge. And, you know, we again, what's your competitive uh, advantage? You may have, uh, you have, may have the knowledge, but uh, you don't have the uh, emotional uh, backbone to invest. Um, so you see a loss. You have the knowledge about a good investment. You do the investment. You have a loss, and then you can't handle it. Um, and then, so a lot of, a lot of investing is, is behaviors, but you could have all the knowledge in, in the, in the world and, uh, have the, have a, the worst investment behavior and still lose money. Well, and think about it. What it comes down to is just not having the solid foundation and game plan. They're, they're making an investment to make money instead of having a purpose because making money is not a purpose. That's arbitrary. The purpose is I want to retire at X age. I want to have X amount of dollars saved. I want to live on this income. And then you match the appropriate investments and that helps remove all of the human emotion that's there. We always say when we put a plan together for somebody, it's to help make fact-based decisions instead of my opinion. The more we remove our opinion and the human emotion, the better job we can do for people. Um, and it all comes back to a couple of experiences I've had in the last two years with kind of the same client calls me up back in the fall of 18 when the market went down, I think it was like 18 or 20% in the fourth quarter and said, Hey, Rod, should we move all the cash? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's take a look. So I put in his financial plan. I just went and quantified it and put them all in cash. I gave him the probability of success. And he's like, well, I guess we should probably just stay the course because the probability went down drastically. So now we're able to make decisions on portfolios based upon fact and not based upon, hey, I think this is the next best stock or the next best investment that's out there, right? If, if you're buying individual stocks for your retirement, it's probably more for your enjoyment than meeting your goals, right? Um, you know, let's look at an example. People, a lot of people would argue that we have more today information about health and nutrition than could humanly be possible, right? 
we're as obese as we've ever been as a country. People's health isn't improving. It's probably getting worse. Well, it's because people can't manage the emotions. They don't have a way to put a plan together to meet their goals. Think about you know nutrition and financial planning. If you if you put together a nutrition plan, right? You sat there and you mapped out every single day what you're going to eat at what time. That's like doing a financial plan. You'd be successful, but if you don't do that, you won't be successful because you go to the fridge without a purpose. What's the first thing you grab from the fridge? It's not the carrots. Maybe it's an apple, but it's probably like, you know, the salami or the cheese or all the stuff that's really bad. It's not the stuff that's healthy. But if you actually took the time to map out and say, hey, here's my daily nutrition, what I'm going to eat at this time, just like a financial plan, it'd all lead to good financial success down the road. Um, you know, this is an interesting study, Jonas, and you've talked about this since the day I've met you, but it's the Dow bar average investor versus the market. Yeah, Dalbar is just a third-party rating system uh, service, uh, kind of like uh, our consumer reports uh, before you go out and buy a, buy a product. But uh, every year they come back and uh, it, it, they show the return of, uh, of the market and they show the average investor return. And the average investor return is always somewhere between 50 to 80% less of what the market did. And uh, this goes back to Peter Lynch, the probably uh, probably the most famous mutual fund manager um, in the world for Fidelity. He had his flagship uh, Fidelity Magellan Fund. Uh, he had probably the best 10-year uh, record of any fund manager uh, with his Fidelity Fund. And uh, Fidelity did a study of the average returns and they were actually, the average investor returns were lower per investor than they were than Peter Lynch's returns because they went in and they sold at the wrong time or they bought at the wrong time. They panicked, they sold when there was a crisis. And I thought that that was very interesting. But again, the, the behavior side of that, I think that's where an advisor comes in and uh, we kind of stop people from misbehaving and we go back to the financial plan and say, yeah, you know, uh, back to the diet. Maybe you shouldn't have a, maybe you shouldn't eat chicken wings every every meal. You know, maybe you don't need to be a hundred percent in stocks. Maybe you don't need to be a hundred percent in bonds. That's the value of working with a financial advisor. And uh, you mentioned the um, the friend that tried to fix his own car. Um, doesn't he have something better to do? I mean, that's why people hire advisors because they want to live. They want to live their normal lives. They want to spend time with their families. Uh, they, uh, they, don't, they don't want to uh, uh, worry about this financial stuff. So a financial plan is just financial peace of mind at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, one of the things that people do is they, like you mentioned, they just get in the 401k. Well, it went up, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something different. And everybody goes back to what has the best five year return and what did the, what made the most last year? How often does the investment that made the most last year make the most the next year? It's not that frequent. Uh, we've seen charts of that before. So and then uh, what we're seeing now is what the uh, uh, Cedar Rapids had a had a terrible derecho storm where we're seeing uh, the buildings of a political storm coming up. We're in an election year. And the new conversations that we're having with friends and that I am having is, uh, oh, I'm going, if the wrong guy gets elected, I'm going to pull all my, I'm going to go all the cash 
and that's and that's been the dominant conversation. But like you mentioned, Roger, year after year after year, investors, emotions, and behaviors. Uh, if people did that um, most of the time, and they didn't have a financial plan, uh, cash isn't paying anything. They're not. They're not going to do any any good for their future. It's interesting you mentioned the election because I've got the question so many times in the last two weeks. So not to kind of spoil the surprise, but we're going to be doing a show on elections, the correlation between markets um, and what you can expect. It's non-political. We, we don't want to involve any politics here, but we're just going to give you the pure facts of, of what that is in a in a future show. All right, well, let's try to give the listeners, Jonas, um, some some uh, tools they can use to, to learn how to actually filter out the media. We talked about all the bad stuff, but how can we actually do this for people? And I think the number one thing people can do is limit the amount of time they're spending on social media, the TV, the internet, radio, all those things. And, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I got my iPhone over there and I glanced down. I'm like, no way did I spend that amount of time on this phone today. Cause you get sucked into the trap, right? Just keep listening and watching because it's captivating. And that's what they're trying to do. So the number one way in my opinion is to limit the time on the social media and then really process what it is. Just don't take it for face value. Kind of try to peel the onion back and say, Hey, is this all true? Is it really that bad? And go find some facts and things that either support it or disprove it. Right? Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I, I really, I went to a, a speaker one time and he said, uh, uh, I think Thanksgiving was coming up and he said, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, you need to do when you're around uh, family is uh, watch where your feet are. So uh, what he meant was uh, just don't be on your phone when you could when you could be with your kids. You know, don't be watching TV when you could be doing something outside and, uh, you know, just limiting uh, the time or just, uh, maybe even using a timer, uh, now and, uh, uh, get your fix of financial media all you want and, uh, but use a timer and, and be done with it. And, uh, really the, uh, the, my favorite saying is always have a goal in mind when it comes to investing every pile of money you should have a goal for. And we're going to get into that, uh, more and more. And then whatever happens in the financial, uh, media world, uh, you have a, uh, if you've developed a financial plan, uh, then uh, chaos is going to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's beyond our control. But a financial plan almost gives you a little bit of control over that, at least with your personal finances. Yeah, I think those are all <clears throat> great points. Those are the ways, you know, the, the three primary ways we can build that filter. But, you know, I, I think I agree with you most if you have a goal for the money you're actually putting together some type of a plan. Um, so in conclusion, you know, let's not let the financial media influence your investment decisions. Let's make them based upon fact by having a solid plan, a solid foundation. If you don't have one of those, you can go request an appointment with one of us at btwealthshow.com. That's btwealthshow.com. Um, and we can help you implement the changes you need to make to kind of build this filter, get a financial plan so you don't make the poor decisions that come with either being greedy or fearful, all those things that kind of kind of run your life. Do you have any other takeaways, Jonas? No, I, I mean, any plan is better than no plan at all. And uh, like, he, like you mentioned before, Roger, I mean, we could show people 100 pages of a financial plan, but ultimately we get it down to six or eight. And it's unique to each individual. Um, and it's going to have, uh, it's really going to help your personal finances. 
Well, we appreciate everybody for this episode. If you have any questions, comments, um, reach out to us. We'd happy to. We'd be happy to have one of your questions on the show sometime. Uh, the website's uh, btwellshow.com. Appreciate it. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Inc. and LPL Financial do not offer tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.